We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Hornets fans, and welcome back to another BuzzBeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. We are live on Twitter Spaces, Twitch, and YouTube, where you can interact with us. So feel free to submit comments or questions in the chat. Also, we've got a giveaway going on that ends on January 10th for a free t-shirt with our new logo on it. So take a look at our Twitter, at BuzzBeatPod. Or if you look in the notes of this episode for more details on today's episode, I'll be joined by Brian. I'll be joined by Lee as we recap this thrilling but heartbreaking game against the Pacers and answer a listener question about a hypothetical trade. Lee, hope you're doing well. How's it going? Oh, it's good to be here. This is... uh. For better or worse, this is kind of our type of game, right? Some uh, some interesting young flashes, which we'll get into. Um, a close, competitive, hard-fought match on the road in Indiana. And another loss. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. BG, how's your weekend going? Uh, weekend's going pretty well. Um, a lot of college hoops and uh, a little bit of Hornets action with two, two strange games <laughs> for Charlotte this weekend, it feels like. Yeah. Um, with the the Bucks, bizarre one of the weirdest games of the year with the blowout win on Friday, and then yeah, this game at, at, at Indiana. But yeah, things are good. How about you, Richie? Doing good, doing good. Not a whole lot happening in in my life, but uh, I will say that this is uh, this upcoming week. I've got a, a lot of extracurricular activities, so this might be the one podcast that I'm able to record this week. But uh, we may get another one out. It just may be without me, but. Yes, you are correct, Brian. Uh, the Hornets did play a couple of uh, good games this weekend. Uh, the game tonight did not go in their favor as the Pacers won 116-111. So let's get into this game. I actually want to start with the lineup that we saw at the end of the first quarter and the end of the third quarter. Definitely offensive lacking, but it was certainly a defensive first lineup of DSJ Cody Martin, who is starting to get in the swing of things, especially on the defensive side of the court. Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, who's seeing some what consistent minutes in Mark Williams. So that lineup went 12-0 run in both the end of the first quarter and third quarter combined. 
they got after it. And on the defensive side, I, I really love to see them working in cohesion. They were on a string. And I hope we see more of it. I don't think it's going to be the starting lineup by any by any by any uh, chance. But Clifford, with him being that coach, it you know, Brian, you texted this. It just feels like a Clifford esque lineup, and it was fun to watch because those were the biggest runs of the game for Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, again, it was like the the size, the defense first, the the winning play sort of mentality. Uh, especially having two guys like Cody Martin and, and Dennis Smith Jr. out there at the same time, like he really does. They feel they feel fully Martinized, you know. I, I know Caleb Martin is in South Beach, but that sort of does bring back uh, some some vibes of those lineups from a few years ago. And uh, you know, I do I would, the one thing I would say. Uh, Eric Collins mentioned he thought that this was probably the best defensive five Charlotte could put on the court. I know what you're going to say, but keep yeah, going. yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it's it's close. I would just say PJ over Thor, um, and then yeah, you would have That's Charlotte right. optimized defensively. Um, I would say along with yeah, DSJ, Cody, Mark Williams, who continues to play well, uh, despite Miles Turner blocking him a couple of times tonight. Turner was a, a menace at the rim. It felt like the entire game. And I know this is something we have discussed a few times now, but it is a bummer to see no Nick Richards once again. Um, it, it just stinks that like he's having the best season of his career. And an injury is what took him out. And I get it. It's like, you know, Mark Williams is playing well. Mason Plumlee's playing well. And, you know, Plumlee's still on the roster as of, you know, January 8th. So I guess he's going to continue to play until maybe a hypothetical trade uh, is, you know, comes to fruition. So, uh, but no, fun to see that lineup. And I think the best part of it, one, is to see it's nice to see DSJ, it's nice to see Cody Martin healthy and on the court, but it's also good to see Mark Williams getting those reps. And, and I thought Williams tonight did some nice stuff defensively, um, not just in the drop on the pick and roll. Like you're seeing him with some of those sort of like half switches or late switches or, or sort of like moving over to guys around the rim. And I, I thought the mobility defensively with, with uh, Mark has looked really good, not just tonight, but, but you know, really since he became a part of the rotation for Charlotte. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Mark Williams here real quick. I, I think um... – he started off very strong. He ended up finishing with seven points on the night in 16 minutes. He played well in moments. He had his flashes. He's good when he has the chance of just grabbing the ball cleanly and going up right away, which he did on occasion. Although when he does go up against better and more experienced players like Miles Turner, you start to see where he has areas to improve. He had this one play in the second quarter where he actually had an awesome seal on Turner. Like That's been a strength of his but he still gets blocked by Turner. It's that combination of Turner just being an elite shot blocker, but you can also start asking yourself these questions like, did I position the ball the way that I wanted to? Did I shield it the best way possible? Am I keeping the ball high? Like These are questions that Mark Williams can be asking himself. So sometimes it's fun to watch him play against you know, younger players, less experienced players, and, you, and he puts up the stats, but... Going up against Miles Turner, it's a, it's a it's a teaching moment for him, a, a lesson for him when you go up against guys like that. So I will say that you know it's not always going to be the case where he's playing against backups. So this was a good um, teaching moment for him. Yeah. I, so I I mean obviously I echo the frustrations um, with the fact that 
Clifford has just chosen to, con I mean, and he's just going to do it. Like we've, we've got enough of a, a sample size at this point. Like he's not going away from it. And, and look, may maybe there is some uh, nudging or direction from the front office uh, that Plumlee needs to kind of like continue to be showcased for a potential move down the road. Like, obviously that's, not, I'm, I'm speculating only, but that's certainly possible. I, I would be saying the same I would be voicing the same frustrations if Clifford immediately went back with Richards and just immediately benched Williams or sent Williams right. back to Greensboro. Like it's the same principle. Like we just, we just should, in my opinion, be playing both of the young centers, the majority of the center minutes, because you know, it's not like a freaking charity case. Like they've both shown the ability to be effective, you know, solid rotational young center. So it's not just a, throw them out there for development sake it's like these guys seem like they can be solid rotation players get them both out there you know we'll see whether or not whatever happens with plum dog at, at the deadline is yet to be seen you know the one thing i think i would um i guess add on to, to some of richie's comments about mark william it, williams is just his like dogged activity around the rim he is just absolutely relentless i mean again a lot like richards is i mean I, I think williams has a a little bit more vertical athleticism uh, certainly a little bit more length and does a lot of the same stuff but just can get to so many in traffic rebounds even if he doesn't snare it himself he's keeping it alive he's tipping it like the results aren't always positive at this point but the fact that he can kind of just um, in in short stretches, even like almost dominate a game at the rim at the NBA level already as a rookie is really impressive. Yeah, Miles Turner was awesome tonight. He obviously gave Mark Williams uh, quite a few kind of welcome to the NBA moments. Mm -hmm. This is completely off track um, and not something we need to discuss in detail on this podcast. But like, I had a thought as this game was ending, like the Pacers just need to extend Miles Turner. Yeah, like, he is, yeah, he is really good. And he yeah. fits their roster and fits their timeline. Like I'm sure they're trying, but uh, you know, and and I'm not an expert in Pacers basketball, but I mean, it's it seems like that has changed just this season. Totally. I mean, like the 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 they, they're good. playing really fun basketball. Like if you look up all the like they're playing fast. They shoot a ton of threes. Rick Carlisle's getting the best out of guys like Aaron Neesmith. You know, a nice second draft totally. player. Totally. And Andrew Nemhard. I know he yeah. was like up and down today, but man, he had some sick finishes for Indiana late in this game, just showing off the body control and the the functional strength. And and you know, Matherin obviously he really struggled, but they've just got a really nice mix. And Turner opens the floor for all of those guys. And you know, I thought for the most part, Indiana did a decent job keeping the ball in front. Charlotte still got to the rim a bunch, but they shot a terrible number at the rim because Turner's just there to obliterate or alter. Um, or contest, you know, any shot around the basket. So, yeah, I like, you know, it's one of those things. It's part of me thinks like this, they should just sell high right now. Like this mm. is it. But no, I, it seems more likely they should probably extend him. And that's what they're going to do. And you can always trade them later. Like, you know, if the, you know, if you're ever looking for like a short-term reset around Matherin and Halliburton, you can always move him later. So I'm guessing he'll get extended and be back because uh, he's earned it quite frankly. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, they've got a good mix of veterans and young players. And I think now that Sabonis is out of the picture, uh, the the it's a little bit more of a, a clear case in terms of uh, the future yeah. with him. And he's, yeah. he's never said he's wanted to go somewhere else. The rumors just tend to follow him. Yeah. yeah. It would be the Richie. It really would be the funniest result of this. If like, you know, four years of trade, like rumors of trade miles Turner being traded and just like, Nope, he just signed a $90 million extension over, <laughs> over four years. Like that would be the funniest. Maybe that would extend the, the possible trade hypothesis or whatever, but it's funny. It'll, It'll never end. Uh, but yeah. let's talk about the uh, the elephant in the room here, Lamelo Ball. Uh, six personal fouls fouling out tonight, and you know he had it overall. I thought like he had a good game for the most part when he was in there. He had a couple of baseline drives, wraparound passes to PJ for three. He had a couple of like driving scoop layups on back to back possessions in the first quarter. It's a good sign that he's attacking the rim there. But when he picked up that third foul in the second quarter, Indiana went on a run. And then 20 seconds into the second half, uh, picks up a, another foul. And, I, I you know, he get, that was the fourth foul at that point. And he played through it in the third quarter pretty well. Uh, but obviously, this is an issue that has been with him throughout the course of his career. And I, I act like his career has been long, but it, it's been with them ever since he's entered the league it's going to be a challenge for him to play without fouling. You know, what are your thoughts on, on this guys? And just how does he, how does he get better at this? I guess it's just positioning and, and knowing when to gamble and knowing when not to gamble. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it might be that simple, Richie. I mean, you know, some of the guys in the, in the Buzzbeat slack um, were discussing uh, Zach Lowe who wrote about kind of some of Lamelo's defensive uh, shortcomings um, in, a, in a recent article that was really well laid out. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, it's all the boilerplate stuff. It's like, you know, young point guard that can't keep his hands off guys and that uh, lacks kind of the, you know, quote unquote championship focus on just like locking in on every defensive possession. Um, 
you know, it, it hurt the Hornets tonight, right? I mean, the last two possessions yeah. they had to play um, without LaMelo Ball in a super close game. If this was a year where the Hornets were fighting for playoff position, that, that would have been a big deal. Yeah, I think the Hornets would have won this game had he not picked up that third foul. Yeah, because he wouldn't have had to sit out like whatever that was. I don't know, seven or eight minute stretch, right? Um, yeah. And, and you know, we, we, you were talking about Cody Martin kind of starting to to get into a rhythm. Obviously, he had the awesome block tonight um, in the in the in the uh, against healed and transition. He hit his first three of the year being back. So like good signs. I also thought Dennis Smith Jr. Um, is starting to kind of look a little bit more like his old self, like was a bit more disruptive defensively tonight and even had kind of that late bully bucket against Halliburton. But um, yeah, the, the, the last couple possessions just weren't quite as clean without LaMelo. You know, you just, you need LaMelo's playmaking and shooting out there. And um, I, I wish I had like a magic wand, uh, you know, you know, some like unique observation that no one has brought up yet regarding kind of, his ability to to avoid some of this foul trouble, uh, but but I think it's as simple as kind of presence in mind and maturity, um, and 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 like a little bit of laziness. To be frank, like he, he mm-hmm. does he does use his hands far too often. He does pick up fouls at times, you know, 50, 60 feet away from the basket that we've that we've gotten frustrated with at times on this podcast. So you know that that's that for me. Yeah, it's like some of the stuff you can live with when he's like flying around, totally. trying to be in the right place, and and you know trying to get steals because the Hornets are a bad half court offense. They need to get in transition. He's good in transition, so it's like some of that stuff. It's like no, no, no. You live with that. It's the it's the the senseless reaching in um, that you would love for him to be able to cut out. I sometimes think he gets a a tough whistle, but that doesn't justify. You know, like, like this is a trend across seasons across different referees officiating him um this is just like a a part of his game and i think it's something that will get ironed out i think it has to get ironed out so it will but yeah he played 24 minutes in this game like that happens just like all too often we're like (laughs) not only does he miss big stretches of the of the game but then he also fouls out and you look up and it's like yeah he played half the game like (laughs) you know this was this game was a coin flip and like i mean you know it, because of where the season is and where the team is, it does create this weird dissonance where it's like, you know, a, a loss is like not bad for Charlotte, obviously, but as we're trying to like evaluate these games, you're thinking about habits, right? You're thinking about long-term development. And and so that's why you want to get that stuff out for LaMelo. But in the short term, uh, you know, and Richie, I'd be curious to hear what, what you think about, about this with LaMelo, but it does create this like, weird kind of division of labor when he fouls out too because then you get these rosier and dsj lineups which theoretically i think should fit but then sometimes like terry wants to get into like you know put put some sauce on the basketball mode and start dancing around the court and like obviously he like he's the tough shot maker but then dsj is just off the ball and it doesn't work and you know it's like you know he can do some of the catch and go stuff like you know he can he can slash and get into gaps a little bit but it does clog this the this the the floor a little bit doesn't space it as well and not only that like you know Terry is not the best guy to just give the ball to and say like here's here's a here's a high ball screen you know like go run good offense for us but so yeah like when you lose Lamelo it just there's no there's no Devonte Graham to fall back on right you know to just come in and just you know prop up there's there's no one like that here anymore 
So um, I don't know, Richie, what are your thoughts on LaMelo and, and some of the, the, the foul concerns or maybe just like where he is with his game right now? Well, it was interesting that you brought up, you know, when he does have to go to the bench and you're seeing these lineups with DSJ and, and Rozier, it, to me, like you got to get the ball out of Rozier's hand and let him run off ball. Too frequently we've seen this season, even when Rozier is not the quote unquote point guard that he dribbles the ball a little bit too much for my liking. And I feel like it's almost like a habit that just carried over from when he started the season as that that point guard with that second unit. And you know, when you have DSJ off ball, he just doesn't seem like an off ball guy to me. He's not a off ball like cutter or anything like that. Like he's a guy that's a rim pressure guy, drive and kick. But also too, with Rozier just having an inconsistent season, and we saw it again tonight. Like he was coming off an awesome game, awesome outing against the Bucks, and obviously he had the difficult assignment of guarding Halliburton and expending all the energy on that end. But outside, like of a couple of mid range makes and you know offensive rebounds and you know creating second chance points like he competes like that's one thing that we've talked about on the podcast like visibly you can see him competing on that on that end but his shooting inconsistencies have been too glaring this season so i know that wasn't really much of a lamello talk there but when he does go to the bench it just throws the whole thing out of whack yeah terry rozier five of 15 shooting in this game seven turnovers like those those things are related right lamello playing half the game and, and I mean, look, you know, Terry was due for some regression after Friday night when he was just went insane against the Bucks. But um, but yeah, like he had he played big minutes tonight and he had a lot of time on the basketball and that rarely uh, produces like efficient half court offense um, for for Charlotte. And just uh, according to cleaning the glass, the Hornets um, 0.84 points per possession um in the half court uh today so that was really bad and that's just par for the course with them yeah and the pacers aren't necessarily like when you look at them from a whole like on a like i thought they'd be better defensively just based on the way that they played tonight like overall i don't know what they are like 15 16 17 something like that in the nba when it comes to defensive rating uh but they played well in stretches and i know that the offense for the Hornets plays a factor in that as well. But quick mention before we move on to the listener questions, I do want to give a shout out to Jalen McDaniels. He makes plays in bunches. I've mentioned that before. He comes in waves in terms of his scoring output, his defensive output, that end of the third quarter and the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, there was plays that he made that impacted the game that put the Hornets up a couple of points midway through the fourth quarter, but obviously they could not hang on. And then PJ Washington, they made a note of this on the broadcast and I've made a note of this before, but the area in which he can take advantage of is that short mid range floater game. And by my count, he was two of four on floaters and he was three of three against the bucks uh, on Friday night. So he's got the ability to put the ball on the court. He's got the ability to slip screens and I just want to see more of that. But uh, Lee or Brian, would you want to speak upon Jalen or PJ or anything else before we get to the questions? Um, No, I mean, just, I think in, uh, in kind of the theme of of this podcast this season, you know, this is one of those, this is one of those PJ Washington games where, um, he really shows kind of his true, his true versatility, his true value. I, I would just, I think I have just kind of one more overarching thought, um, okay. which is, which involves McDaniels, but isn't specific to him. 
you know, I watch this team as it as it gets a back a bit more healthy, and it's just so strange. I mean, they've been so bad on both ends of the floor this year. It's been such a disastrous season in so many ways. But like, there's this bevy of young, useful players on this roster. Some that aren't even in the rotation right now. I mean, Bryce McGowan's and Nick Richards are both DMPs tonight. Yeah. Uh, and both of them, obviously Richards, you know, more so, and 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 he's older, obviously, but both have shown like, uh, you know, reasons to be optimistic, I would say. Um, Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, Cody Martin, Mark Williams, Dennis Smith Jr., Teo Maladon. I mean, all of these- Kai Jones. <laughs> What's that? Kai Jones. You remember Kai him? Jones. I mean, all these different guys and like, Granted, a couple of those guys we mentioned, you know, are still not necessarily like 100% second contract guys. Like they're still working towards that. You know, I think McDaniels has proven that. Obviously, Cody Martin has proven that because he signed one. Um, It's just a it's just a uh, it's a good feeling, though. Like there is some kernels of optimism. And and I've said this before and on this podcast and I've tweeted it before, too. It again just continues to give you the the one year tank plan right there on the silver platter because you can shed a couple veteran contracts in Ubre and Plumley if they're not traded this offseason. And you can continue to retool this 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 roster around LaMelo Ball with another draft class, with another likely high draft pick. And if the Hornets were able to hit it big, whether that is Wimby or whether that is striking gold on a top five pick who's an immediate positive player, they stand ready with like a useful roster of guys like Jalen McDaniels who can be two-way players, who can make shots, who can play making a pinch. And like, you know, there's just (laughs) – there is still an optimistic future in my mind, Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, what I would say, real, just a couple of things to, on, on on some of the guys you mentioned. One, it has been nice to see JT. It stinks that it's been at the sacrifice of not having Kai Jones in the rotation still. But, yeah, I think JT Thor's had some positive minutes uh, for Charlotte recently. And, you know, look, he's still a bit of a mystery box. And I still I, – I, at this point, yeah, I think, I, I think we'd all would have liked to have seen at least a little bit more development but he's still really really young he still really hasn't played that many nba minutes so i'm i'm still feeling like relatively confident in him um long term as a prospect i think a lot of stuff will fall into place if he can just get consistent with the catch and shoot three like he's shooting 20 percent on threes this season he's taking a ton of corner threes I just think once that I think once that falls, like everything else just clicks into place because he's he can give you some good hustle play stuff. He's got the length. He has the ability to attack closeouts. I mean, he's gonna have to really improve his finishing and decision making on those drives. But it's like that's the next step. But you can't get to there until the three starts starts to really go down. Um, And Richie, you've talked about this. I know you've you've tweeted about this a few times. You just mentioned it with PJ. I would say one of the things, like the, the two, the, at least one of the floaters he got tonight, and then one of the one floater runners, however you want to label them, that he hit against Milwaukee. Um, the one tonight came where Chicago, or pardon me, Charlotte ran in the third. This is in the third quarter, about ten minutes to play. They ran a little like delay with PJ in the corner. They had him come off a pin down into a handoff with Plumley. That Chicago action, and he shot a runner. 
And one of the floaters he hit against Milwaukee the other night was a uh, Brook Lopez is in the drop. LaMelo, Mason Plumley pick and roll. Mason gets it on the short roll. PJ stationed on the weak side wing or corner. And Plumley, there, you know, there's no finish for him at the rim because, because Lopez is in there. And he just dribbles to his left, hands the ball off to PJ. PJ comes off of it, the DHO and shoots a runner. And what I would say, the, 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 the thread between those two makes are that he's coming off movement. Um, and he's, he's coming downhill to his right hand. And so I like when they can get him those kinds of looks from the mid range, as opposed to like isolating at the elbow um, where everything is sort of like flat and stagnant. And I, I like them inviting, encouraging a little bit of movement, trying to get him downhill a little bit um, going into those looks. So I, I think that's sort of like, I'd have to, something to probably pay attention to a little bit more on my end, at least before I spout off like that. But I do think that's something that I have noticed uh, a little bit um, with PJ. It's just the, that I think they're getting him in motion a little bit more, whether it's like sort of like flowing from organically from, you know, playing out of the play or it's, you know, these are designed actions that are being run to get, to get PJ going downhill a little bit uh, that way. And what I would say too, as far as like the draft, we are not, you know, not to go off on a whole other tangent here, but like the one year tank, like, you know, it's like Lee, you and I talked about this months ago. Like it's probably not like the best course of action. You know, you would want probably a more like holistic sort of teardown, but it's there and it can work. I do think it is interesting though, if the Hornets end up, you know, with one of the worst records in the league and they end up getting pick, you know, pick three or something like that. Like I think Eamon Thompson is a, is like a, a knockout type of prospect, but like, as good as he is and as special as he is, he's the guy that maybe like like Scoot and Wemby are going to help you win games next season. Exactly. Eamon Thompson might, he's, I mean, he's got tools in athleticism out to wazoo, but like it, it may take, um, it, you know, it may take a little bit more time. I don't know if that changes their, their, their thought process, especially at this point, but I don't know. That is, that is one extra thing to consider because, but to your point, I agree. Um, it's something we discussed back in September or October. I think it was October during the Wemby pod. Like the one-year um, mm-hmm. free fall is right there well, for Charlotte. It, it's like a 14% chance that one or two is worth it. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, the that's the – like when when's the last time Charlotte had that kind of percentage chance to like yeah. – to like improve the – I know it's one of those things where you're like, wow, it doesn't – odds don't sound that good, but it's when you think about like – When's the last time Charlotte had that good of a chance to land a, a player of this caliber, a prospect of this caliber? Like 2012 draft lottery, you know, like that was the, probably the last time. Um, so, and I know the odds, the, the lottery odds were different back then, but um, yeah. it's it's been a long time. So it's something to consider too. All right, let's end this conversation with two trade-related questions. And one's not a question. One was a suggestion. But we're going to get to our listener question first from at Captain Regulator. What is Mason Plumley's trade value? In parentheses, he's put, not a joke. This is, this is serious. He could really help a team like the Nets. Would a Plumley-South Curry trade be good for both teams? Thanks. So 
I know we do joke about Plumlee's trade value and we and people joke about him all the time. And even Spencer just talks about buying him out to kind of get him out of the center rotation altogether. And we mentioned, or at least we hinted at this at the top of the podcast, where he is basically clogging the development of Nick Richards and Mark Williams for a team that is not going anywhere. But if he's bought out, that's fine. But I do think that he could net you a second round pick or maybe a flyer on a younger-ish player that may need a change of scenery. I'm not sure what Brooklyn would think about this trade. They may need a big that's a little bit more physically imposing, uh, that can snag rebounds. I mean, maybe Plumlee can do that for them. And Seth Curry, I've always liked. I mean, he's a he's a good spacer, which the Hornets need. But I do believe he is on a expiring contract as well. So, you know, you're not really investing in him other than maybe there's some kind of uh, Curry discount that they might get uh, because of the name. But, um, you know, I, I just wonder if Plumlee would be better used trying to get a draft pick in the second round, of course, or maybe a younger guy. Like, I'm not suggesting Cam Thomas by any means, but, you know, that that's kind of how I feel about this trade thought. Do you, what, what are your thoughts, guys? Like, second round pick? Do you think that's that, that's fair? Yeah. When we talked about Plumlee trade hypotheticals a few weeks ago, I, I, I we sort of said, like, you're you're probably shooting too high if you think you're getting something more than, like, a – so-so second round pick, which like, that's fine. Like that's not nothing. Or if you get a a young player for it, uh, let's be real. If they were to go the hypothetical trade route with Brooklyn, you know, it would be Dayron Sharp, uh, bring the, bring the in-state UNC guy back to the, the Hornets. That would make uh, a a lot of sense probably. Yeah. I mean, like, I think, you know, I think, I do think Brooklyn could use a, an upgrade at backup center right now. I mean, Claxton's been awesome for them. He was very good against Charlotte last week. And obviously Simmons is playing a lot of center minutes for them too. Um, so I don't know. I'd be, I don't know if they would be willing to give up one of their shooters. I know they have a lot of shooters, um, including, you know, some, and some guys have missed time. And maybe when you have Joe Harris and Patty Joe Mills, Harris. maybe you think one of those guys is expendable, but um, I don't, I would, if I were them, I think Curry's a guy that can actually help you win in, in the postseason just because of the shooting and the gravity and some of the actions you can run with him. Um, and I don't know if Plumlee's Seth Curry can't shoot six of six with his offhand. For it's the true. Ball. Yeah, it's true. Yes. You know, I mean, one of the few places where, uh, the two former Duke teammates, uh, where one That's of right. them would, would, you know, Mason would be able to outclass, uh, Seth in terms of shooting specifically. I think it's interesting. I think there are Plumlee trade hypotheticals that exist because he's playing really, he's playing very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could see teams that need a backup center, that can give you, you know, he's not a terrible defender. Not like he's a great defender, but a little bit of defense. He can rebound. gives you some pick-and-roll versatility. Um, I, just as an aside, I did not like Charlotte using him to, like, trap and hedge uh, at times tonight. I, I don't really understood why they went that route. But, um, but also he can pass a little bit, and he can give you some screen and dive. And if the free throw shooting is real – not like you'd need him on the court closing games out, but maybe that's a, a small uh, added assurance. So I think there's going to be a, a market for Plumlee. I think there are teams that could use a backup center, but I don't think Curry is the, um, you know, I don't think getting another veteran like that um, because you're not getting, if you move Plumlee, it's not like you're getting off like long-term salary. If you bring back an expiring right. contract too, right? Like he, his deal is set to expire. So the way to like capitalize on that is to actually get, you know, a pick or a young player that you can build with going forward. 
Uh, yeah, agreed there. I think I think you're getting a second round pick or or a buyout. You know, I think Seth, I think Seth's kind of. I mean, he's a big, big time shooter. I, I don't think you're, yeah. I, and even though like BG said, like Brooklyn's like maybe the one team in the entire league that could actually do to lose some some shooting. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Plumlee's getting you that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just think Brooklyn is going to lean all the way into this identity. Like they're they're they're, they're, they're the jump shooting team, you know, as opposed to like incrementally trying to get a little bit better at the backup center spot and a little bit better rebounding wise, I just think they're leaning all the way into we switch everything, Durant's in God mode, and we just we have all the shooters in the world that make tough pull-up jumpers. <laughs> all right, I'm going to play a clip from the uh, Low Podcast about Bobby Marks and his suggestion here, and we'll end the podcast on this. one you like? I think the one I would like, um, and I don't know how it benefits Charlotte just because Mark Williams has been playing a lot more and um, their first round pick um, would be Wiseman and Moody for Plumlee and Washington. That's that would be the one. Um, my concern with that from Golden State is now you got to pay PJ Washington, right? Like restricted free agent, add to that tax bill. Plumlee becomes a free agent. I actually don't think it's beneficial for either team. Uh, this actually does nothing for Golden State in terms of the the tax. It actually raises the money that they owe this year by $1.5 million. Yes, it might get you off several years of Moody and at least one year off of Wiseman, but I don't know. It just it feels like you know what Bobby was saying there. If they're investing in this trade, they're also investing in PJ. And if it's yeah. just a one-year rental to make a play in the playoffs where they're, what, eighth, ninth, ten at this, at this point in the season – you know, I'm not sure it's it's worth it for either side here. And I don't think the Hornets would be wise to do this either. I feel like they could get a little bit more for PJ, like in a separate deal altogether. And if I'm trading Plumlee, I've mentioned this before, I'm not doing it to acquire a center, at least one that's not like, you know, un, a little bit unproven on a rookie contract. Like the purpose of trading Plumlee is to see what you got with Nick Richards and Mark Williams. As far as Moody goes, we've talked about him pre-draft, and he grew on me during the pre-draft process. Now, if it was Kaminga in this deal, I don't yeah. think I don't think Golden State would do it. But if it was yeah, Kaminga, yeah. yeah, we would have to add something there. But if it was yeah. Kaminga in this deal, I think that like with his defensive versatility and just being an impactful player. But what's funny, like Moody was actually impactful in the playoffs last year for Golden yeah. State. Like, he played I mean, minutes. I mean, he he's ready to be like an NBA rotation player. Like he he's proven it. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, a pl real player in the NBA for a long time. The dude makes he had a nice game against Charlotte the other week. Like he comes in and just makes impact, winning plays. But he's on a team with a lot of good veterans in front of him. You know, there's just there's not a lot of runway for him to 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 work with, even when you have a guy like uh, Steph Curry currently out or whatever. Um, I can't remember if it was with you guys, the, the pod that we did after the, the Sixers blowout win over Charlotte, the, are you still watching that one <laughs> or like Spencer and I recorded one right before that. And on both those pods, we talked about PJ because on the, on the pod that Spencer and I recorded, this was on December 8th, I believe that pod was sort of like, well, the Hornets haven't, didn't extend PJ. So should they, they're probably going to try to trade him, right? Like that was what we talked about a lot on that one. We actually talked about Golden State hypothetical trades too. 
Um, and I can't remember if it, if it was the one with Spencer or the one that I did a couple of days later with you guys, but I remember posing the question, well, when do you, what do you think PJ Washington has more trade value on? Like, is it, is it on an expiring contract now or is it you sign him, bring him back? And then, you know, if things aren't going well in a couple of years, you could look to flip him when he's got a couple of years left on a, you know, on his, on his second contract. I mean, that's probably depends or whatever, but he's still young and getting better. And, you know, at some point in time, he could be a, a pretty good a trade PC hypothetically on a, on a second contract. Um, and yeah, this is one of the reasons why, like, you know, we went through golden state again on these pods in early December, we went through these golden state hypotheticals and the one that was getting tossed around at the time was like PJ for Wiseman. Like it's kind of, you know, that was the deal. This is before Mark Williams was in the rotation too. Right. So one, can you imagine just adding Mark, like adding Wiseman to the center rotation of that? You already have Richards and, and Williams would just be a hilarious center room that I can't fathom happening. Um, but, uh, one of the reasons why I just don't see this thing being realistic is like, if you trade for PJ, I think the thought would be, you would want to resign him. Mm-hmm. And I just can't see golden state. It's really, I mean, I, I admit look, that ownership group has proven they're willing to spend a lot of money, but like, uh, I don't know, maybe you see him as like the long-term replacement for Draymond. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that's the case or whatever, but they just owe a lot of money to a lot of different guys. And there's a lot, there's more guys they're going to have to pay, but you're already paying money to pool Thompson, green, Curry Wiggins. Like, can you afford PJ at $20 million a year or whatever? Like I doubt it. So I, I think it makes some sense if you can just like, if you could remove the finances in the money. Um, and I think Moody would absolutely be a great piece to pick up. I mean, Charlotte could have had him on the roster they opted for James Booknight instead. So again, I would be open for moves that could add a player like Moses Moody. I think that's the kind of stuff that Charlotte, the waters they should be swimming in. But I don't think this is like how that gets done personally. Yeah, I think all I would say is like, number one, I like Nick Richards more than James Wiseman right now. Um, <laughs> I like Mark Williams more than James Wiseman right now. Uh, so I agree that swapping Plumley for, for a young center doesn't make a ton of sense, which to be fair, Bobby Marks, like, ba- like he mentioned that, um, I, I do think I like, I would be, I think maybe fairly optimistic that PJ could help golden state in a deep playoff run, but like you he said, totally, he totally would. He totally, yeah, would. It, it's yeah. just the complications of the extension. I also, and I don't remember which one of you said it, but I also agree that, if you're going to move PJ and I've, I've been pretty adamant that PJ along with like the obvious other ones, like, like LaMelo, like PJ's kind of the one guy I still don't want to move. Like I think because number one, if you do want to move PJ, you're going to get more value from him, which goes back to one of y'all saying this after his extension, like extend PJ, keep him here. And then if you need to trade him later, that's fine. Like, um so those are my thoughts it was interesting i think it was certainly worth bringing up as we as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline uh we know that kelly Oubre is not going back to golden state that's that's certainly (laughs) that's for sure so uh i thought it was interesting but ultimately i don't think it makes a ton of sense for either team yeah i mean i do think that pj and and plumley are kind of like golden state 
type of guys, and they would mm-hmm. kind of fit seamlessly within the offensive system that they run. I mean, even Plumley, like Plumley, could be a guy that could work out of the high post, and yeah. um, he wouldn't be—he would not be a Draymond like split cut hub, but like he could kind of act in the same way. No. Well, he could do some kind of, of what's it. What's the uh, what's the Australian dude that was the first pick? He's kind of like Bogut. Bogut. Yeah, he's, Bogut. He's, like, yeah. he's like Bogut. Yeah, yeah. No, he could he would be able to do it. Like if it if if you could let him do that stuff with Curry and Thompson, it would it would work very well. <laughs> like, it would it would be very it would be very effective. Um, and yeah, PJ would be awesome for them, and they could do all kinds of cool small ball stuff with Draymond and PJ as like the four or five, you know with Wiggins and Clay and Steph or Wiggins mm-hmm. and Poole and Clay, you know, like there's just all kinds of stuff they could do. Um, but I, I don't, I just don't, I, I personally don't see that happening though. I see the way it could benefit both sides. All right. We appreciate everyone for tuning in on Twitter spaces. We did not get a speaker request. We appreciate everyone tuning in on YouTube. We're going to go ahead and wrap here. We appreciate the support for Lee, for Brian. I'm Richie. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.